We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 465 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Friday, December 16th, 2022, and San Francisco 49ers, thank you for your service. The Niners have clinched the NFC West. Uh, they improved to 10-4 and with a 21-13 win at the Seattle Seahawks on Thursday Night Football. You got to give the Niners their due given the injuries that the team has incurred. But for our purposes as Commanders fans, what matters the most from this game on Thursday night, of course, is that the Seahawks lost. They fell to 7-7. and And so your updated NFC playoff standings now have the 7-5-1 Commanders as the number six seed and in possession of the conference's second wildcard spot. The 7-5-1 New York Giants as the number seven seed and in possession of the conference's third and final wildcard spot. And the 7-7 Seahawks as the NFC's number eight team and on the outside looking in regarding the playoff picture. Here's the deal. Regardless of what happens on Sunday night, the Commanders still will be holding an NFC wildcard spot. Hello and welcome to this Commanders pregame show Friday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. As you may have heard, uh, the Commanders have a game on Sunday night, uh, home to the Giants on Sunday night football at 820, biggest regular season game at FedEx Field in years. Uh, The Commanders over the last five days now have gotten a number of favorable results in terms of the team's playoff push. Sunday night is the time for the team to author its own favorable result. Can I get my George Allen soundbite, okay? George Allen, second greatest head coach in Redskins history. George, Georgie boy, who is next for Washington? You beat them in their own backyard. You came from behind, and we sure we got some character. Next week, we get those goddamn giants. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's right, George. Those GD Giants coming up on the show. In-depth preview of Commander's Giants. I have the very latest on injuries for the Commanders and some key injury updates for the Giants. Uh, will corner Benjamin St. Juice be back for the Commanders? Will edge defender Chase Young make his season debut for the Commanders. Uh, you will hear the best of what Commanders offensive coordinator Scott Turner and defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio had to say on Thursday via post-practice press conferences. Scott addressed the lack of running from quarterback Taylor Heineke this season and how quarterback Carson Wentz has been as a teammate with Taylor. I welcome on a guest to give us intel on the Giants. Nick Bellato, co-host of the Big Blue Banter podcast, which is an all-22 film-based pod about the Giants. Uh, Nick's a smart guy, knows his stuff, puts in the work. I will provide to you my rhyming keys for a commander's win in this most important game, and I'll give you a prediction for the game. Uh, also on the show, I will talk Capitals. Uh, no, winger Alex Ovechkin did not score a goal on Thursday night, so he remains a goal shy of tying Gordy Howe for the second most regular season goals in NHL history at 801. Uh, the Caps' season-best five-game winning streak did end a 2-1 loss to the Dallas Stars at Capital One Arena. And I have an Orioles segment for you. The O's on Thursday afternoon announced having agreed with free agent second baseman slash outfielder Adam Frazier on a one-year contract. And then on Thursday night, we got the news that the American League East rival New York Yankees had agreed on a six-year, $162 million contract with free agent starter Carlos Rodon per multiple reports. Uh, Rodon had been viewed as a potential target of the O's. You know, there's a good bit of frustration with the O's right now over them having not done more in free agency. I will address that frustration. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Dan M. in Minnesota on Commander's quarterback Taylor Heineke, who, remember, used to play for Minnesota, as in the Vikings, uh, writes, Dan, everyone knows that Heineke is not a prodigious arm talent, but let's not say that that good defense mixed with good luck doesn't have potential either. Trent Dilfer is sitting at home with a Super Bowl ring that he won weekend at Bernie style in Baltimore over quarterback wunderkind Kerry Collins. It can be done when a team gets hot. Jake DeLome, Matt Hasselbeck, tell me why they were so much more deserving, but for Heineke, it's unfathomable. Thank you for the email, Dan, who obviously was talking about making a Super Bowl. Uh, look, I never say never. And I have found it quite funny how pretty much all that Taylor Heineke has done since initially signing with Washington in December 2020 is outperform expectations. But specific to Trent Dilfer winning a Super Bowl as the 2000 Baltimore Ravens starting quarterback and Jake DeLome making a Super Bowl as the 2003 Carolina Panthers starting quarterback and Matt Hasselbeck making a Super Bowl as the 2005 Seattle Seahawks starting quarterback. All of that happened before the NFL became the extreme passing league that it has become. And I know that this year has seen passing offense be down and rushing offense be up, but we still are in an era in which 
passing offense is of utmost importance. Uh, we, for years, had non-star, non-franchise quarterbacks make and win Super Bowls. Heck, we, of course, had the Redskins win three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks, uh, none of whom are all-time great quarterbacks in terms of, you know, the annals of the NFL. But look at the quarterbacks who have made and won Super Bowls over the last 15 years. Uh, you don't see many, if any, Trent Dilfers or Jake DeLomes. Uh, you see star quarterbacks, franchise quarterbacks. Uh, now, you know, you can cite, say, Jared Goff for the 2018 Los Angeles Rams and Jimmy Garoppolo for the 2019 San Francisco 49ers as non-franchise quarterbacks who have made Super Bowls in recent seasons. But, you know, those guys have had multiple quality seasons as NFL quarterbacks. Like, they're better than Trent Dilfer was or Jake DeLome was. I mean, Jared Goff, for this 2022 regular season through week 14, was number six in the NFL in ESPN's total QBR at 61.2. He is having a very nice season for the Detroit Lions. But what's funny is that one spot ahead of Goff was Seattle Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith. And nobody anticipated the 2022 season that old Geno is having. So going back to Taylor Heineke, you never know. I just don't think that the commander's plan at quarterback going forward should be Taylor Heineke as the unquestioned QB1. I want him as an option for the commanders, but I do not want him as the option for the commanders. I want him as one of multiple viable quarterback options. Uh, and along those lines, uh, email from Wendell Hicks on the commander's quarterback situation writes, Wendell, I hope all is well. I had a thought about playing Heineke beyond this year. I think there's a situation where that makes sense. We are tracking toward finishing at least somewhere in the middle and hopefully deep into the 20s in terms of the NFL draft. No one would advocate that Tay-Tay be the unquestioned starter beyond this year, but drafting someone with obvious talent who has some things to work on could work. Having a veteran quarterback who knows the offense while there are two developmental quarterbacks in the system can only increase the chances of finding the long-term answer. We have to keep taking bites out of the quarterback apple until one sticks. Thank you for the email, Wendell. Uh, I agree with everything that Wendell wrote. It's very simple. If you do not have a franchise quarterback, then you need to be constantly searching for a franchise quarterback. And here's another very true mantra. If you have a case, you should contact Paulson and Nace. Founded in 1979, Paulson and Nace is dedicated to promoting the rights of seriously injured persons and their families. No law firm does a better job of fighting for victims than Paulson and Nace does. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Ace handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases, offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Paulson and Ace is widely respected throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia for the firm's accomplishments both in and out of courtrooms. Chris Nace and Matt Nace, they are dedicated trial attorneys who do not balk in the face of large insurance companies or well-known businesses that have had practices or products that are directly related to the root of your harm. You see, Paulson and Nace does not accept low settlement offers that benefit the people who caused clients harm more than the offers benefit the clients. This is because Paulson and Nace 
is not afraid to take a case to trial. And that's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. Paulson and Nace has secured millions of dollars in verdict and settlement amounts for clients to better enable them to care for themselves and their families. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Yeah, you're obligated to nothing. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. When you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can schedule that no-obligation appointment by calling 202-902-7611. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Just make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. This podcast, the Al Galdi podcast, is a success because of you. So thank you. Uh, do not forget to subscribe to the podcast. If you're not already doing that, subscribing costs you nothing. And make sure that each episode is automatically downloaded right to your device. Uh, also, ratings and reviews help us out a lot. You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. And you on Apple Podcasts can write a brief review saying that you like the podcast. Uh, well, hopefully, we will like what we see from the Commanders on Sunday night. 7-5-1 Commanders versus the 7-5-1 New York Giants at FedEx Field on Sunday night football at 8-20. Next segment, I'll talk Commanders defense. Right now, Commanders offense. Uh, Thursday's injury report for Commanders Giants included 13 Commanders players. Uh, eight of the 13 players were offensive players. Unlike on Wednesday, we on Thursday did have a Commanders player who was listed as not practicing. He is the only Commanders player so far this week to be listed as having not practiced, but offensive lineman Sadiq Charles for Thursday was listed as not practicing due to a concussion. Samuel Cosme for Thursday was listed as a full participant in practice for a second consecutive day. So he is looking good for Sunday night against the Giants. Cosme in the 20-all tie at the Giants in week 13 suffered a sprained ankle. Uh, he, for the game, was the commander starting right guard because Trey Turner was inactive uh, due to knee and ankle ailments. Trey for Thursday was listed as a full participant in practice off for Wednesday having been a limited participant in practice. And he has been listed as only dealing with a knee issue. So if Trey Turner is healthy for Sunday night, will he or Sam Cosme be the commander starting right guard? And if the answer is Turner, does that mean that Cosme will go back to his uh, right tackle rotation with Cornelius Lucas. Commander's offensive coordinator, Scott Turner, did a post-practice press conference on Thursday afternoon. This was Scott on if the Commanders on Sunday night will go back to rotating Sam Cosme and Cornelius Lucas at right tackle. Well, you know, we're kind of talking through that. Obviously, Sam got hurt in the last game, you know, had the ankle. So he's, you know, he's practicing. I think he's fine, but he's still kind of working through that. Um, 
you know, I thought Sam for his first time playing guard, you know, there's some things to improve on, but he did a he did a nice job. You know, he did a nice job in there, and, you know, that, that might be something that you see um, a little bit more of going forward. Um, like I kind of said in, in the last time we talked, you know, whatever we can do to get our best five out there, um, you know, you know, we're going to we're gonna do. And obviously we like Sam as a player, um, and I'm not sure exactly now. We're still talking about, you know, how much if, if we're going to rotate those guys based on, you know, part of it is, you know, injury-related as well. All right, and here was Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on what's appealing about Sam Cosme at guard. So he's got um, he's got the size to be a tackle, you know what I mean, and the athletic uh, skills, but he also has that physicality, you know, that you need at guard, you know, and he's a little bit of a bigger guy. Um, sometimes, you know, those guys at tackle, it's hard for him to move inside because now you're blocking those 300-pound nose guards and you know three techniques and they just they get overpowered a little bit where you know sam um although he has the athleticism and body type to be a tackle he has that you know the strength um where he can play inside as well and that's just that's what gives him that versatility well a commander's offensive lineman who for sure plays inside is left guard andrew norwell uh he for thursday was listed as a limited participant in practice for a second consecutive day He's dealing with a shoulder. There is a lot to be thinking about with the commander's offensive line right now. And I I haven't even mentioned the situation at center. Uh, Both of the commander's top two centers, Chase Roulier and Tyler Larson, are on the reserve injured list due to right knee injuries. And so Wes Schweitzer will be the commander's starting center on Sunday night. Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on how much of an adjustment a change at center is for the offense. You know, just for the quarterback and like then the communication, uh, those linemen, like they spend so much time together. Um, they're pretty good of like communicating, you know, amongst that group. Just like, you know, the snaps a little bit different, you know, maybe the timing on the gun snaps, um, you know, Taylor's worked with Wes before, so it, it wasn't you know hard to get back in. And Wes is, you know, he's he's done this play guard, he plays center, so he'll be fine. But there's just that little bit of adjustment, you know, when you kind of start the practice week. A big concern, maybe the biggest concern for the commander's offense on Sunday night is how the offensive line will do against the Giants' pass rush. Uh, The commanders in their tie at the Giants in Week 13 allowed the Giants to finish with five sacks and 10 quarterback hits. The Giants for the 2022 regular season through Week 14 per Sport Radar were number one in the NFL by miles in blitz percentage at 41.5 and were number five in the NFL in pressure percentage at 24. Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on the keys to the commanders doing a better job against the Giants pass rush on Sunday night as compared to how the commanders did against the Giants pass rush in the tie at the Giants. You know, we got to really focus on getting the ball out of our hand. Um, and then, you know, with the, the the depth of the quarterback, like, you know, that's why we got to be firm inside because a lot of times those guys, they're coming off the edge, but like, you know, the quarterback's like 11 yards deep and those tacklers are trying to push him up and through, so, you know, up and over the top so, the, so Taylor can step up in the pocket. And when you're retreating, you're just making the job easier on a defensive end. So it all, pass protection all works together. The ball's got to come out, the receiver's got to get open, the ball's got to come out, and then the quarterback got to be where he's supposed to. Interesting to hear Scott Turner put a good bit of the commanders doing a better job of handling the Giants pass rush on the quarterback, uh, as in Taylor Heineke. Uh, The commanders on Sunday night are set to have Taylor as their starting quarterback for an eighth 
consecutive game. We on Thursday's show, episode 464, talked about Taylor's lack of running this season. I mean, this guy's number one physical attribute is his mobility, and yet he over seven games in this 2022 regular season has just 67 rushing yards. Uh, I have been like begging to see more read option with Taylor at quarterback. I don't get why we don't see more of that, and I'm not the only one who doesn't get that. Commander's analyst and former Redskins tight end Logan Paulson, uh, he on this podcast a few weeks ago, episode 453, to be precise, uh, said that he doesn't understand why the commanders don't do more read option with Taylor. But in fairness to the coaching staff, Taylor at times has appeared to be reluctant to run, i.e. reluctant to scramble. This was Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on Taylor Heineke not being more of a run threat. And then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Commander's Insider Ben Standig of The Athletic. I think he did a lot of it, you know, obviously last year. So people, I think there's been some opportunities to scramble that he had there where he, he could, you know what I mean? And and we encourage him to do that. I don't want to take him to take a bunch of unnecessary hits. Um, but, you know, people have kind of identified that with him too where you know he's getting a little bit of extra uh, attention you know we've seen a lot of zone coverages where there's a lot of eyes you know on the quarterback um, but there there has been some opportunities I think where he can get out you know and scramble and maybe just steal a first down a game you know because that um, that helps that helps a lot and that's stuff that we've we've talked about and also is that just like part of the evolution because obviously when he burst onto the scene in that Tampa game he's going for the pylon right. he's kind of just reckless out there yeah. is that part of just his evolution as a quarterback just being a little more yeah and that's something that we i think we've talked about in the past is like you know you have to have you want to make it through the season you know and you know that tampa game it was like he's like this might be the last time i ever play football in my life you know so you know he was laying it all out there and um you know, you got to kind of pick and choose your spots, you know, because, you know, he's not the biggest guy. You know, those hits, they take a toll, you know, um, especially over the course of a season. So, you know, he knows how important he is to us and, and our team. And, um, you know, he's got to be able to take those opportunities run when they're there, but also protect himself. And I think he's been a little, you know, cautious as far as that goes. He's not wanting to take those big hits. All right, some good stuff from Scott Turner right there. And it does sound like even Scott wouldn't mind Taylor Heineke running more. Uh, the commander's number two quarterback for Sunday night is set to be Carson Wentz. Uh, the commanders on Monday activated Carson from the reserve injured list to the 53-man roster. Uh, he and the win at the Chicago Bears on Thursday night football on October 13th suffered a fractured right ring finger. Uh, he underwent surgery for the finger on October 17th. The commanders placed him on the reserve injured list on October 22nd. And Carson, during his timeout, lost his job as the commander's starting quarterback to Taylor Heineke. Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on how Carson Wentz has been as a teammate since suffering his fractured right ring finger. He's been really good, you know. I think uh, credit to both him and and Taylor. I mean, Taylor, you know, spent the year last year as a starter, and um, we brought Carson in you know, to be the starter. And you know, Taylor took him in and said, "Hey, how can I help you learn this offense?" And they, you know, golfed together and they became friends. And you know, a lot of guys, you know, will do that, and it's kind of like it's maybe not genuine, but you know, with Taylor, I've always, you know, always got the feeling that it was, you know, and they formed a genuine friendship. So obviously it's hard on Carson. He wants to play. You're a competitor. Um, 
but he's you know to his credit done the same thing you know with with Taylor and he's been in all he doesn't miss the meetings he was sick last week a little bit or two weeks ago um, but he's in there you know using his experience uh, in this league to help Taylor and ask questions maybe Taylor might not think about and uh, I think those guys get along really well and uh, you know it's a credit to the type of people that they are. Yeah, it's obviously true that two teammates can appear to be friends, can act like friends, but in reality despise each other, uh, especially when the two teammates play the same position. But everything that we've heard and observed is that Taylor Heineke and Carson Wentz do get along. Now, you know, maybe when Carson goes home, he throws darts at a dartboard with Taylor's face, okay? But otherwise, every indication since the commanders traded for Carson this past March has been that he has been a good teammate. Uh, the commander's offense in the tie at the Giants in week 13 overall was not good. Uh, the commander scored just 20 points, uh, went just 3 of 14 on third downs, uh, averaged just 5.01 yards per play. The Giants' defense isn't good. The Giants for the 2022 regular season through week 14, had the following rankings for Football Outsiders DVOA metric. Number 29 in the NFL in total defense. Number 26 in the NFL in pass defense. Number 31 in the NFL in run defense. Additionally, the Giants' defense is banged up. Uh, the Giants' top corner, Adoree Jackson, he on Thursday did not practice for a second consecutive day due to a knee injury that has caused him to miss each of the Giants' last three games. Uh, Giants head coach Brian Dable on Wednesday said that safety Xavier McKinney will miss a sixth consecutive game due to a hand injury. And interior defensive lineman Leonard Williams, uh, he for Thursday was a limited participant in practice for a second consecutive day due to a neck issue. Uh, now, the commanders do have some skill position players who are banged up, but they are expected to play on Sunday night. Uh, running back Brian Robinson Jr. for Thursday was listed as a limited participant in practice for a second consecutive day. He's dealing with a quad. Uh, running back Antonio Gibson for Thursday was listed as a limited participant in practice for a second consecutive day. He's dealing with a foot. Uh, receiver Cam Sims for Thursday was listed as a limited participant in practice for a second consecutive day. He's dealing with a back problem. And receiver slash putt returner Dax Milne, he for Thursday was a full participant in practice. Uh, he for Wednesday was a limited participant in practice. Dax has been inactive for each of the commander's last two games due to a foot injury. We know what the commanders want to do offensively, right? Call a lot of running plays, set up manageable third downs, win the time of possession battle. But an unfortunate reality for the commander's offense is that it just does not generate many big plays, many explosive plays. Uh, the commanders for the 2022 regular season through week 14 were tied for just 25th in the NFL in most explosive plays this season, uh, 69. Uh, we, in this instance, define explosive plays as passing plays that go for at least 20 yards and running plays that go for at least 10 yards. Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on how the commander's rushing offense can be more explosive, and then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with commander's insider Sam Fortier of the Washington Post. You know... That's a good question. Uh, we, you know, we, we vary the runs. Um, a lot of times it's, you know, whether it's getting that extra block downfield, there's always going to be, you know, one more guy 
um, the offense, there's always one more guy that because of the quarterback, you know what I mean, that that we can't block. Um, so you gotta, whether it's making that guy miss, um, you know, getting getting the receiver on him, and then you know the corner kind of sunk in, you you break that extra tackle. Um, we've been really close on a lot of runs. I think you know as the game goes on, sometimes you can kind of break through it, um, and I think that we'll get we'll get some more long runs. I'd like to see that. I like the fact that our guys are being physical and we're grinding through some things and you know that's where you know for me even though you know maybe we're not getting some explosive runs staying patient with it because we are churning it out and getting some first downs um that way but i just think um the more and like for a guy like brian you know that you know again like as good as he's played he's still a rookie and i think we see we've all seen him improve and i think those will come too like as he continues to improve that way is it possible to get more explosive runs if you're running it at the rate that you are and defenses are, are defending you as, as they have been? Yeah, I mean, sometimes, like, we, we had, um, you know, going back to when I was in Minnesota in 2015 and we had Adrian Peterson and he led the league in rushing and um, it, it actually comes out that way a lot. Like, they overplay the run, too, and you make that one guy miss and there's nobody left, you know what I mean? So that's sometimes you really get the, the breakouts. You know, when they're playing play a little more conservative and, like, zone coverage or everyone's eyes are on you, that's where it's hard. You know, you might get four, five, six, but you're not getting that big one because, you know, there's always someone looking, you know, looking at you there that way. You know, it's funny, for all of the talk going into this season about the potential for the commander's offense to be better, the potential for the commander's offense to produce more explosive plays, <laughs> here we are once again talking about a Washington offense that isn't very good and isn't generating more big plays. Uh, well, someone who certainly can help the commanders produce explosive plays is the team's number one receiver, Terry McLaurin. Uh, Terry, for the 2022 regular season through week 14, was number nine in the NFL in receiving yards with 945. Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on Terry McLaurin on Sunday night, potentially getting to 1,000 receiving yards for the 2022 regular season. I feel great for Terry. I mean, you know, I get like we've had some games where he doesn't get the ball a lot, and that's like always the one that gets me the most. I know how important it is to him, and I know how good of a player he is. And it's like, you know, we got to get him the ball, and he and he gets and he's such a good guy. Like, you know, he won't, he doesn't show it. You know what I mean? He doesn't show the frustration. Um, he kind of lets it out on those games where he does get a lot of targets, you know. And uh, but you know, so you you want to get because I know like how he can impact the game, and and he knows that um, also. So you know, anytime that he gets the you know that credit, I'm, I'm happy for him because he it's it, he deserves it. he deserves a lot more too. I saw the one stat uh, over the bye week of like the first one like the sixth player ever to have. You know, over whatever it is, over 50, 60 catches. I don't know. You guys might know it, or 900 yards, something like that. And yeah, six guys in their in their first however many year, four years or something. So that's pretty cool. You know, what I mean, that's that's not a lot of guys. So um, no, Terry Terry's great, and I'm always happy for him. Yeah, the stat that Scott Turner was talking about, uh, Terry, with what he did in the tie at the Giants in Week 13, became just the sixth player in NFL history to have at least 50 receptions and at least 900 receiving yards. In each of his first four regular seasons, he joined receivers Randy Moss, A.J. Green, Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, and Joey Galloway. A pretty good company.
A win for the 7-5-1 Commanders on Sunday night against the 7-5-1 New York Giants at FedEx Field would give Washington eight wins in a regular season for the first time since the 2016 regular season. And if the Commanders win their final four games this regular season, the franchise will have its first 11-win regular season since the 1991 Super Bowl championship season. Will we on Sunday night get yet another good performance from the commander's defense this season? Uh, Well, getting back corner Benjamin St. Juice would help. Getting back the juice would help. Uh, Benjamin St. Juice for Thursday was listed as a limited participant in practice for a second consecutive day. Uh, He has been inactive for each of the commander's last two games due to a right ankle injury that he suffered in the win at the Houston Texans in week 11. The commanders have been getting some very good play from corner Kendall Fuller lately, but it's not at all unreasonable to say that St. Juice has been the team's best corner this season. Commander's defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio did a post-practice press conference on Thursday afternoon. He got asked what he liked about Benjamin St. Juice when Washington took him in the third round of the 2021 NFL Draft out of Minnesota. Here was Jack's answer. Benjamin, a long player with exceptional short area quickness. So um, that combination usually plays well. And, and you know, he's He's positioned himself to to be a real good player for us. So I look forward to getting him back. Yeah, and that short area quickness that Jack Del Rio talked about in that cut, uh, that quickness was a big part of why Benjamin St. Juice was the commander's number one nickel corner early this season. Remember, we came into the season with Kendall Fuller and William Jackson III as the commander's top two outside corners and Benjamin St. Juice as the team's top nickel corner. Uh, Jackson, of course, ended up getting benched and then traded. Uh, St. Juice moved back to the outside, and he has played well there, although I thought that he did a pretty good job as a nickel corner as well. Uh, We on Thursday had some very encouraging injury news for the commander's defense. Edge defenders Montez Sweat and James Smith-Williams. Each is recovering from a concussion. Each on Wednesday was a limited participant in practice. Each on Thursday was a full participant in practice. So each guy is very much trending toward playing against the Giants on Sunday night. Uh, Montez Sweat for the 2022 regular season through week 14 was number four in the NFL in quarterback hits with 24. As for another commander's edge defender, Chase Young. Uh, He, for Thursday, was a limited participant in practice for a second consecutive day as he recovers from his uh, torn right knee that was suffered in the win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field on November 14th, 2021. Uh, Chase, still having not made his 2022 season debut, of course, has been frustrating and concerning. You know, it's impossible right now, if you're a fan of the team, to feel good about the Redskins having spent the number two overall pick in the 2020 NFL Draft on Chase Young. And I say that not as a shot at Chase, but just as an acknowledgement of where he's at in his NFL career, unless he ends up playing at some point this season and provides like surprisingly great impact, we're going to go into this commander's offseason whenever it begins uh, with Chase having had one good season over his three NFL seasons. And the one good season was his rookie season, his most distant 
NFL season. Uh, here was Jack Del Rio on Thursday afternoon on this lengthy process for Chase Young to play this season. And then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Commanders Insider Michael Phillips of Richmond.com. And then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Commanders Insider Matthew Paris of the Washington Times. Yeah, biggest thing is just uh, come to work every day, uh, express yourself, you know, uh, make sure that you're on top of assignments and uh, and keep working towards being, you know, given the green light. So when we get the green light, we'll go. And until then, we'll just keep working hard. I think uh, that's the hard part, you know, you know, dealing with the anxiousness and, you know, really want to be back mentally, but um, it has to be there. And so when it is, you know, we'll, we'll unleash them. When you get that green light, how do you decide when, how much to use him? He's got the opportunity, obviously, to make very big plays for you, but I would imagine you want to be judicious about that. Correct. Yeah, I think uh, we'll want to be wise about that, um, you know, and, and we'll, we'll address that, you know, when it's time. But right now we're just working, um, and, uh, and, again, when we get that green light, we'll, we'll unleash him. Yesterday with the, with Young, he seemed pretty kind of relaxed and confident with us, like just talking to us, like reporters. Yeah. Have you seen a difference in him recently in terms of just kind of the way he's approaches? How much Chase? Yeah, he's been pretty steady with me. I, um, we have a good relationship. Uh, we communicate often, and um, I I just want him to approach it like we're talking about, um, and not really concern himself with the the, the clutter. You know the outside noise, any 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 of that. Don't feel any of that. Just work hard every day. Um, get the conditioning right. Get get make sure you're you're on top of things. And um, when it's time, we'll we'll go. Yeah, but what you have to wonder is when will it be time? And is that time going to be at any point this season? And if not, what does that say about the condition? of Chase Young's right knee and about Chase's confidence in the knee. Because remember, head coach Ron Rivera during his day after the game Zoom press conference on December 5th off the 20-old tie at the Giants on December 4th said that Chase's biggest remaining obstacle was his confidence in the knee. Uh, Also for Thursday, linebacker Jamin Davis was listed as a full participant in practice for a second consecutive day. Ron Rivera, during his Zoom press conference this past Tuesday afternoon, revealed that Jamin recently underwent a thumb procedure, but should be fine. Uh, Some injury situations to be aware of with the Giants offense. Uh, Receiver slash punt returner Richie James on Thursday was a limited participant in practice off on Wednesday, having not practiced. He's coming off a concussion that he suffered in the Giants last game. The 48-22 home loss to the Philadelphia Eagles this past Sunday afternoon. Tight end Daniel Bellinger on Thursday was a limited participant in practice for a second consecutive day. He's dealing with a rib ailment, but the belief seems to be that he'll play on Sunday night. The Giants offense is not in a good place right now. Uh, More on that next segment with our special guest, Nick Filato, co-host of the Big Blue Banter podcast, which is an all-22 film-based pod about the Giants. Uh, Just know that the Giants, in being one four and one over their last six games have scored 20 points or less in four of the six games and the team's point totals in the other two games were 24 and 22. The commanders of course are coming off their bye week 
This was Jack Del Rio on Thursday afternoon on what he, during the bye week, focused on uh, with the commander's defense. And then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with commander's insider Pete Haley of NBC Sports Washington. We always look at everything. And we tend to not wait until the bye, especially when it's this late. So, um, yeah, we've we've been diligent in our preparation. Um, a little look ahead. Uh, we got a short week next week, things like that. Uh, but but mainly, um, you know, focused on us doing the things that we need to do. This time of year, it really comes down to the teams that uh, play fundamentally sound. You know, shed blocks, tackle, leverage, um, communicate. You know, those are the things that we want to focus on. Really, most of our energy is going there. And how do you view those fundamentals? Do you guys feel like you're at the the right spot you need to be with those things? Well, you're always you're always working towards it. Like it's never a spot where you go, okay, we got that. Let's not worry about that. You know, it's it's a it's a, a push. And um, you know, relax in March. You know, but um, you know, for me, it's come in every day, go to work, uh, and remember remember how important it is to 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 be good on the fundamental late in the year. The teams that are fundamentally sound, that are leveraging, tackling, communicating well, um, those are the teams that are going to play well. Well, a fundamental at which the commanders have been excellent this season is tackling. The commanders for the 2022 regular season through week 14 were number two in the NFL in fewest missed tackles per game per sport radar. Uh, Actually, the Giants were number one, but the commander's tackling this season has been outstanding. Uh, one of the commander's best tacklers this season has been safety Derek Forrest. Uh, he, for the 2022 regular season, has one missed tackle for Sport Radar. Jack Del Rio on Thursday afternoon on what he liked about Derek Forrest when Washington took him in the fifth round of the 2021 NFL Draft out of Cincinnati. Derek Forrest is uh, a combination of Incredible character, um, speed, and toughness. And, you know, one of the guys that uh, when, I, when I spoke to um, Luke Fickle, who was his coach at Cincinnati, you know, talked about he was a, a program changer. You know, he was the right kind of guy. Uh, and so, you know, the speed and the physicality that he brings um, and being that kind of character, we thought at at worst, we're going to get a really good special team player. And, and we, hope, we hope to develop them into more. And that's when you take guys late in the draft, you're not projecting them to be starters. You're hoping you can develop them, have a role for them, and then if they earn their way and develop, great. And so that's what that's become. And Derek Forrest certainly has developed this season. What also has developed this year is an advantageous real estate market in the Washington, D.C. area for buyers. Housing prices are coming down due to an increase in inventory caused by the increases in mortgage rates, uh, with others not buying. Now actually is a really good time to buy. When everyone else is zigging, you should be zagging. Contact real estate agent Kellen Hunt. Visit CloseItWithKel.com. That's CloseItWithKel, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. 
Kellen Hunt is great. He understands the Washington, D.C. area real estate market, and he is here for you to listen to what you want, no matter your situation in life. Whether you are a first-time buyer looking for guidance, or you have a young family looking for a bigger home, or you're ready to retire, and or are looking to downsize, Kellen Hunt can help you. Kellen Hunt is a real estate agent for real people. He will listen to you. He's not just some know-it-all. He works for you. He takes in what you're looking for and then gets to work. Smart, attention to detail, creative. Put Kellen Hunt to work for you. And Kellen Hunt is willing to put a portion of his commission back in your pocket. Yes, you, the buyer, get a piece of the action. Visit closeitwithkell.com. That's closeitwithkell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to talk about your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. See what Kellen Hunt can do for you. Visit closeitwithkel.com. If you're trying to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you will do well by going with Kel. Visit closeitwithkel.com and tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. If you would like to advertise your business or practice on the Al Galdi podcast and reach thousands of people every episode at a very affordable price and thus grow your business or practice, uh, hit us up. The email address is the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Seven, five and one commanders versus the seven, five and one New York Giants at FedEx Field on Sunday night football at 820. The two teams have the same record, but they have arrived at the record in nearly polar opposite ways. Uh, the commanders are six, one and one since a one and four start. The Giants are one, four and one since a six and one start. And here to tell us why and a lot more about the Giants is Nick Falato. He is the co-host of the Big Blue Banter podcast, which is an all-22 film-based pod about the Giants. Uh, you can follow Nick on Twitter, at Nick Falato, and Falato is spelled F-A-L-A-T-O. Hey, Nick, how are you? Al, thanks so much for having me. Yo, this is a monster game between these two teams same exact record disappointing tie for the new york giants honestly two weeks ago when the giants tied washington i felt more like it was a loss and i kind of wanted to get your perspective on that take yeah the tie in week 13 did not feel like a loss for the commanders did feel like a missed opportunity especially with them blowing the 10 nothing early second quarter lead, but that the commanders rallied in the fourth quarter to tie the game, uh, kept the tie from feeling too bad. <laughs> Possibly, but either way, this is a huge game. I'm really excited about it. The Giants definitely did not look up to par to play the Philadelphia Eagles in that 48-22 trouncing while you guys had the luxury of having a bye week this week, which must have been nice to get your guys healthy and ready to go to face the Giants in two consecutive games. The bye week was nice. Uh, the commanders definitely needed it. But with that Giants home loss to the Philadelphia Eagles this past Sunday afternoon, 48-22 was the final. Were you surprised by how poorly things went for the Giants or not really? 
Not really. No, the Giants have been trending downward for quite some time. They started this season six and one, went into the bye week seven and two. The week before the bye week, they played Seattle. They lost up in the Pacific Northwest. They had some opportunities that they left on the field. So everything seemed all hunky dory. You have Houston, Detroit coming out of the bye. They beat Houston and then they get beat up by Detroit a little bit, lose to Dallas, tie Washington. And here we are against Philadelphia at this point. And they get absolutely annihilated. And you can look at a lot of different reasons why they lost this football game. I mean, for one, they are really injured, and I'm not trying to make excuses, but the secondary of a Wink Martindale coach defense is is really crucial. And when you have Xavier McKinney, a team captain, break his hand in Cabo during the bye week, and Adoree Jackson fielding punts, your number one cornerback ends up getting hurt doing so. The Giants are forced to put guys like Nick McLeod, who I like, out there, and a bunch of players who are more or less practice squad type individuals. I mean, if you look at the Giants secondary, I believe in the secondary members playing right now, Al, there are only two that were in training camp with the New York Giants. Like That's not a recipe for success, but they can't fit the run either. The linebackers have been a huge issue for the New York Giants, and you can go back to the tape against Washington. I don't know how many times Washington ran counter against the Giants because the Giants just can't fit counter at the second level, and it just puts so much pressure on the edge rusher to really keep contained, and it's been a really big issue for the Giants. In terms of the Philadelphia Eagles, yeah, they're just a much better football team than the Giants right now, and Jalen Hurts is progressing in front of all of our eyes. You on your podcast do a really good job of breaking down the all-22s. You put in the time studying the Giants. So when it comes to them being just 1-4-1 and one since the 6-1 and one start, is the 1-4-1 and one more about the team being hit hard by injuries than anything else? I wouldn't say just that because I also feel like a lot of those early wins, I don't like to use the term lucky because you create your own luck in the NFL. And I think the Giants are a really well-coached team, but a lot of... The rest of the NFL, I should say, has the tape on the New York Giants right now. And a lot of the Giants offense was predicated on an efficient running attack that set up the most efficient pass a play-action passing game in the league. That's what Daniel Jones was to start this season up until the bye week. I think the Giants were number one in EPA off of play-action passing, and now they're about 18th. So that big of a disparity is really going to affect your offense. And when your offensive philosophy is built around a running back, Saquon Barkley, and you're not running the football, then obviously the the play-action passing attack is going to suffer. So the Giants have just been absolutely absolutely stagnated as an offense and they can't really generate any explosive plays they rank dead last in explosive plays overall that's behind the pittsburgh steelers the baltimore ravens the rams and a lot of teams that are associated with bad offenses the giants started hot they didn't really have explosive plays back then it was more of a methodical approach other than saquon barkley hitting these home runs on the ground those home runs are not the here anymore the giants just really struggle to establish the run really struggle to do anything on the ground and it's kind of been uh all of the concerns that we've had as people who cover the new york giants they've come up now and they're being exploited and you're backing up on the way to the playoffs if the giants even can try and make the playoffs at this point they are not playing well on the offensive side of the football but in terms of the defense i would say it's more for the uh more due to injury We're talking Commander's Giants with Nick Filato, co-host of the Big Blue Banter podcast, which is an all-22 film-based pod about the Giants. Uh, With 
Giants running back Saquon Barkley. Uh, he, like the team as a whole, got off to a really nice start to the season, but has struggled in recent weeks. Uh, he, in five of his last six games, has averaged less than four yards per carry and has had 63 rushing yards or less. Is Saquon wearing down, or is he just getting bad blocking from a banged-up offensive line? I think a little column A, a little column B. I think he is wearing down. He had a shoulder issue that he suffered. I'm not exactly sure which week it was, but in pass protection. And ever since then, he hasn't been as efficient. I think he's been dinged up. He hurt his neck in practice last week that almost resulted in him not playing against the Philadelphia Eagles. And he only played, I think, like 20 offensive snaps or something because Giants didn't really have a chance in that football game going down 21 nothing early against the Eagles. But I would say it's a little both because the offensive line, they were – the Giants at the beginning of the season were, were hitting power gap. They were hitting counter. They were running, you know, the zone read, using Daniel Jones's legs, and they were having a lot of success in doing so. But right now, the blocking has just been a big issue. And one reason is because the Giants' offensive line has suffered injuries here and there. Evan Neal is now back. He had a really rough game against the Philadelphia Eagles after looking solid the week prior against Washington. But pre-agent additions like Mark Lewinsky have been a big problem. Like, in terms of pass protection, the offensive line has been horrendous, but even as a run blocker, if you watch tape in the beginning of the year, he was, like, getting to the second level, making key backside blocks that were springing these huge Saquon Barkley runs, but now we haven't seen that, so it's been a kind of a collective downfall in terms of what this New York Giants offense has been able to do over the last several weeks. Uh, Giants quarterback Daniel Jones, look, he seems to always do well against Washington, but in terms of where he's at as an NFL quarterback, what's your evaluation of his overall season? It's difficult to evaluate Jones, but I don't have much of a different opinion now than I did in the in the previous years of Daniel Jones. He, he still doesn't have the, the best offensive line in front of him. He doesn't really have any wide receivers. I mean, the Giants entered this season with Sterling Shepard, Wondell Robinson. Both those guys have torn ACL. They had Kadarius Tony. He's traded. Kenny Galladay's absolute dust. Played like 11 snaps against the Eagles last week. So in terms of his weaponry, it, it's not there. I like the kid. I don't necessarily think he's the long-term answer for the New York Giants. I think he's a quarterback who has, who can have a, a solid career as a professional. I don't know if he's ever going to be the type of guy that you can just put so much of the burden onto his shoulders. He's more of the type of quarterback that needs a pretty good structure around him in order to win football games. I love the fact that early in the season, the Giants were leveraging his athletic ability. There are some times he, he leaves some throws on the field, especially when he's under pressure. I think there's a big coaching point by the Giants' offensive coaching staff to tell Daniel, hey, if their B-gap comes open, just take it. Like If there is rushing room, execute with your legs. And Jones has done a pretty good job in doing so. But overall right now, it's difficult to really evaluate him because everything around him is kind of crap. But hey, this is a business, and they did not pick up his fifth-year option. I wouldn't be shocked if they bring him back, Al, for for a one-year, two-year deal that they can get out of. I wouldn't even be opposed to that, but the grand scheme of things, I don't think Daniel Jones is the long-term answer at quarterback for the Giants. Yeah, with both Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley set to be unrestricted free agents this offseason, do you expect them both to be back with the Giants next season? Yeah, I kind of 
teeter on the fence of this. I'm not 100% certain. I think these last couple games are going to tell us a lot. I think it all is going to come down to money. In terms of Daniel Jones, like I said, I would not be opposed to to a deal that they can get out of. I don't know what the market will be for a quarterback like Daniel Jones. I think there are certain teams that would like to bring him in. But if I'm Daniel Jones, I think your best place is right here in New York with the Giants, with Brian Dable, with Mike Kafka. And then Saquon Barkley, does he want to reset the running back market? If he wants to get paid, you know, $19 million a year, something north of what Christian McCaffrey is making right now, I don't think the Giants should entertain that. I think you should allow him to walk, especially since the decline that we're seeing since essentially the bye week and how he is a little dinged up at this point. Saquon's a generational type of talent at the running back position. He's still, I think, what, 26 years old, but I just don't think it would be prudent and wise to allocate a large percentage of your cap to a running back who has a lot of injury issues in his past. If he wants something like $12 million a year, something like that, I think that can easily or should be entertained, and the Giants can maybe just build the rest of the roster out around them. Because the Giants have to pay Andrew Thomas soon, their tackle. They're going to have to pay Dexter Lawrence. They're keeping the tackle, possibly Xavier McKinney, their safety, who is hurt. There's some young key pieces that were drafted by Dave Gettleman on this roster that the Giants are going to want to retain moving forward. So I just don't think allocating a huge portion of your cap to the running back position would be the wisest move. I don't think Joe Shane would do that, but... Reasonable price, yeah, I think the Giants should bring Saquon back. One more for you. It sure seems like the Giants got things right with the hirings of Joe Shane as senior vice president and general manager and Brian Dable as head coach. I know that this is only each guy's first season with the team, but as a Giants fan, as someone who analyzes and discusses the team, does it feel to you like the Giants are in good hands with Shane and Dable? Absolutely, yeah. I have no issues with Shane or Dable. It doesn't mean that I, I'm not going to chastise mistakes that I feel like they've made, like Brian Dable using a Dory Jackson as a punt returner. I thought that was stupid. Everyone thought that was stupid at the time. Two weeks later, he ends up hurting his knee, and now the Giants don't have their number one cornerback and arguably one of their top two defensive players. But overall, man, I feel like the Giants are in very good hands. Joe Shane, up and coming bright young mind in the league is very in tune with what's going on around the league whereas Dave Gettleman was much more kind of old school a little bit out of touch with some of the moves that he made so I'm very pleased with the direction of this team so far I mean no one expects the Giants to compete for a playoff spot the fact that they even have competitive games in mid-December is such a wild thought no one thought that in the beginning of the season so I think this team and this franchise are on the right path and heading in the right direction And as you know, uh, the Giants have needed better direction. Seven double-digit loss seasons over the last eight regular seasons entering this season. Nick Filato, co-host of the Big Blue Banter podcast and all 22 film-based pod about the Giants. Nick, thanks a lot. Happy holidays. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me. And uh, take care of yourself. Uh, I guess best of luck on Sunday night, but not too much. (laughs) Yeah, same here. All right, up next, my rhyming keys for a commander's win over the Giants on Sunday night, as I will rhyme the path to victory. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, what we have in the Commanders having consecutive games against the New York Giants is incredibly rare in the NFL. This marks just the third time since the 1970 NFL-AFL merger that an NFL team has faced the same team in back-to-back games in the same regular season. Uh, We have the Commanders' 20-all tie at the Giants in Week 13. What will we have with the Commanders in their game against the Giants in Week 15? 7-5-1 Commanders versus the 7-5-1 Giants at FedEx Field on Sunday Night Football at 8-20 in a game with a massive playoff implications. My friends, it is that time, the time to rhyme. It is time for rhyming keys, my keys, to a Commander's victory in rhyming fashion. Uh, Now understand, these rhymes, uh, they are not meant to be good. Uh, They are not good. Uh, They are, though, meant to make a few points. And in fact, I have a saying for this segment, the worse the rhyme, the better the time. And so here we go. Hardcore analysis combined with scheduled fun. Rhyming keys for a commander's win over the Giants. How do the commanders win this oh-so-important game? We now rhyme the ways. Rhyming key number one, this is for the commander's defense. You did mostly well in the week 13 tie, but this time, do not let DJ get by. The biggest negative for the commander's defense in the 20-all tie at the Giants in week 13 was the defense getting worked by Giants quarterback Daniel Jones as a runner. Uh, He finished with 12 carries for 71 yards, including in the first half having eight carries for 56 yards. Uh, We all know the deal. Daniel Jones, for whatever reasons, has had a lot of success against Washington in his NFL career, especially as a runner. Jones, over six career regular season games against Washington, has 42 carries for 289 yards and a touchdown. Uh, That works out to a yards per carry of 6.88. Rushing with discipline, including keeping contain, going to be key for the commander's defensive lineman. Uh, Maintaining eyes on Jones when he's in the pocket, going to be key for commander's linebackers and defensive backs. I do wonder if we might see any spy-type roles for, say, linebacker Jamin Davis or safety Cameron Curl or safety Derek Forrest. But it's important to understand this. The commander's defense overall played well in the tie at the Giants. The Commanders allowed the Giants to score just 20 points over four quarters and an entire overtime. Uh, The Commanders held the Giants to just 
4 of 13 on third downs. The Commanders held Giants running back Saquon Barkley to 18 carries for 63 yards and a touchdown. That works out to just 3.5 yards per carry, and two of Saquon's runs totaled 34 yards, so his other 16 carries went for just 29 yards. And the Commanders held Daniel Jones to a yards per pass attempt of just 6.45, sacked him four times, and generated a lost fumble from him. Uh, Do not let what Daniel Jones did as a runner distract from the bigger picture. The commander's defense played well enough to win. Uh, But yeah, doing a better job against them as a runner would be nice. And so rhyming key number one, this for the commander's defense. You did mostly well in the week 13 tie, but this time do not let DJ get by. Uh, Rhyming key for commander's giants. And number two, this is for Commander's quarterback, Taylor Heineke. Convert the layups. That, of course, makes sense. So as not to give Ron reason to go back to Carson Wentz. It has been said of Taylor Heineke that he makes the easy look hard and the hard look easy. Uh, We certainly saw that in the tie at the Giants. Uh, Taylor made the hard look easy on his great fourth quarter, fourth and four, 20-yard shotgun completion to receiver Curtis Samuel off Taylor scrambling to his left on a broken play. But Taylor made the easy look hard on the miss to tight end Logan Thomas. Commander's first offensive drive resulted in kicker Joey Sly's first quarter 21-yard field goal for a 3-0 Commander's lead Fifth snap of the drive on a first and 10 for the Commanders at the Giants 22. Taylor Heineke way off on an under center play action and completion intended for Logan Thomas, who was wide open. I know that most quarterbacks will miss a throw or two or more over the course of a game, but now that Carson Wentz has been activated from the reserve injured list to the 53-man roster, and given that the commander's passing offense hasn't exactly been on fire, uh, even with the team having gone 5-1-1 one, and one over Taylor's seven starts in this 2022 regular season, what you don't want to do if you're Taylor right now is blow the layups, because I do think that head coach Ron Rivera is open to going back to Carson Wentz as the team's starting quarterback. I think that Ron likes Taylor, but I do not think that Ron is all in on Taylor as the team's starting quarterback for the rest of the season. That throw to Logan Thomas in the tie at the Giants was a layup that Taylor blew. Uh, Okay, that happens. I'm not trying to go crazy over that miss, but the Giants' defense right now isn't good. There will be open commander's pass catchers on Sunday night. Taylor needs to find them and complete passes to him. He's more than capable of doing that. But as great as the late game heroics have been, they shouldn't be needed on Sunday night. They may be needed, okay, but they shouldn't be needed. Uh, The commander's passing offense for the 2022 regular season through week 14 was just 29th in the NFL per football outsiders DVOA metric. The passing offense overall isn't good. Let's see it be better. And let me make this clear. Let's also see the commanders do a better job of protecting Taylor because he took a pounding in the tie at the Giants. They finished that game with five sacks and 10 quarterback hits. And so rhyming key number two, this for Taylor Heineke, convert the layups. That of course makes sense. So as not to give Ron reason to go back 
to Carson Wentz. <laughs> and rhyming key for Commander's Giants, number three. This is for the entire Commander's team. Make the crowd feel proud so it will be loud. A lot of talk this week about what to expect from the FedEx Field crowd on Sunday night. Uh, the commanders for the 2022 regular season are dead last in the NFL, uh, both in terms of average home attendance and percent capacity at home games. Uh, we know the deal with our wonderful home stadium. It has been overtaken by opposing teams' fans many times over the last 15 years. Uh, that said, I actually expect a good crowd at FedEx Field on Sunday night, a crowd that is loud, a crowd that is actually cheering for the home team and not the opposing team. We shall see. Uh, I do very much love the gesture that the commanders have made. The team on Thursday morning announced an extension of Metro service on Sunday night, and the team is paying for the extension. That's a good job by the commanders. But here's the deal with the crowd on Sunday night being loud and cheering the home team and hopefully impacting the game in a positive way for the home team. Uh, the home team needs to give fans reason to be loud and reason to cheer. Fans are fired up for this game. You're going to have a lot of fans very much wanting to scream their heads off, okay? You're going to have a lot of fans with blood alcohol contents well beyond legal limits, okay? So give these fans reason to be loud. Get off to a good start. Establish a lead. Uh, doing so will capitalize on the fans being primed to be loud early in the game and, of course, will allow the commanders to employ their formula of going with a lot of running plays and winning the time of possession battle. But with all of this talk about what kind of a crowd we'll have at FedEx Field on Sunday night, let's make something very clear. The onus is on the commanders to give the fans reason to be loud. And so rhyming key number three, this for the entire commanders team, make the crowd feel proud so it will be loud. All right, it is prediction time. Uh, the commanders per FanDuel, as of a very early Friday morning, were minus four and a half. Uh, well, the commanders play close games. We know that. Uh, I actually do expect the Giants to play well of their humiliating 48-22 home loss to the Philadelphia Eagles last Sunday afternoon. But all of that said, I am taking the commanders. I am taking the Manders. I am taking the Durs and laying the four and a half. You know, each of the Commanders' last three wins has been by at least six points. Final score, Commanders 23, Giants 17. Commanders kicker Joey Sly connects on multiple 50-plus yard field goals. Well, Capitals winger Alex Ovechkin on Thursday night did have a point, but it did not come via a goal. Uh, he went goalless, and the Caps' season-best five-game winning streak ended. Uh, the Caps fell to 15-13-4 and four 
with a 2-1 loss to the Dallas Stars at Capital One Arena. Uh, Ovechkin had scored seven goals over his previous four games to move to within one goal of tying Gordie Howe for the second most regular season goals in NHL history at 801, but no goal for Ovi on Thursday night. He did have a primary assist and five shots on goal. Uh, the Caps' lone goal was an even-strength goal by winger Connor Sheary in the second period. Uh, the Caps' injury-slash-absence parade continued. Uh, now, center Lars Eller did return from a one-game absence caused by an upper body injury, but winger Sonny Milano did not play due to a non-COVID illness. So he joined the many other Caps players who were out, although these guys are out due to injury. Uh, goaltender Darcy Kemper, defenseman Martin Faravari and Alexander Alexiev, and forwards Nicholas Backstrom, Tom Wilson, Connor Brown, Carl Hagelin, and Beck Malenstein. Uh, the Caps on Thursday night dominated the puck possession battle, but uh, got dominated by Stars goaltender Jake Ottinger. Uh, the Caps, per natural stat trick, had 58 five-on-five shot attempts to the Stars' 40. Uh, the Caps had 46 shots on goal to the Stars' 26, but Jake Ottinger was outstanding. He stopped 45 of the 46 shots on goal that he faced. Uh, this was a classic good process, bad result game for the Caps. Uh, here was Caps head coach Peter Laviolette during his postgame press conference on Thursday night. It's a it's a result that we're you know not happy with, especially with the effort we put in. You, know, you go and go back and look at the scoring chances, and they're going to be ridiculous. So it's tough. Um, our guys are down the road. Of, Doing everything they can, everything they can to win hockey games, and tonight it didn't uh, didn't want to drop for us. No, it did not. But no shame for the Caps in this performance against the Stars, who are the top team in the Central Division. Uh, the Caps led one nothing going into the third period, so you do get the frustration from Peter Laviolette. Uh, the Caps went 0-2 on the power play, snapping a streak of having scored at least one power play goal in each of seven consecutive games. Uh, the Caps goaltender, Charlie Lindgren, was good. Uh, he stopped 24 of the 26 shots on goal that he faced, so Lindgren had another good game. Uh, the Caps went 1-2 of two on the penalty kill. Next up for the Caps, home to the Toronto Maple Leafs, Saturday night at 7. One more item before we call it a show, and call it a week, uh, the Orioles. They, on Thursday afternoon, announced having agreed with free agent second baseman slash outfielder Adam Frazier on a one-year contract that's reportedly worth $8 million. So Frazier is entering his age 31 season. He, over his seven major league seasons, has been very up and down as a hitter, but he also has been versatile and good defensively. Uh, Frazier can play second base in the outfield, and he has had a positive defensive wins above replacement per baseball reference for each of the last five regular seasons, 2018 through 2022. There has been some real frustration with the O's over them having not done much in free agency of O's executive vice president and general manager Mike Elias having said that the O's were going to spend money this offseason. You know, we on Thursday night had the big news of the New York Yankees, of course, an American League East rival of the O's, reportedly agreeing on a six-year, $162 million contract with free agent starter Carlos Rodon, uh, who had been viewed as a potential target of the O's. But, uh, you know, Carlos Rodon is entering 
his age 30 season. Giving a six-year big money contract to a starting pitcher entering his 30s is begging for trouble. And when you're the Yankees, you can take a financial risk like that. But most other major league teams will pay a steep price if they get a big money free agent contract for a starting pitcher wrong. I don't know. Maybe I'm drinking too much of the Mike Elias Kool-Aid, but I'm actually not that bothered by the O's having not spent big money in free agency. Big money deals in free agency don't usually work. You know, we need to stop equating good off-seasons with off-seasons in which teams spend a lot of money or make a lot of moves. Like spending a lot or doing a lot doesn't necessarily mean that you're having a good offseason. Free agency should be used to complement a core that's homegrown. Uh, Free agency should not make up your actual core. The O's have a very exciting core of young homegrown talent. And so to me, signing guys like Adam Frazier and starting pitcher Kyle Gibson to one-year contracts, you know, guys with upside, those types of signings are fine to me. And, you know, keep this in mind too, Mike Elias does not determine the Orioles' payroll, okay? Orioles' ownership, the Angelos family sets the payroll. So if you're going to be mad, be mad at the Angelos family, uh, which, as you may know, is mad at each other, right? Louis Angelos, this past June 9th, filed a lawsuit against his brother, John Angelos, and their mother, Georgia Angelos, for control of the team. Look, the O's need new ownership just like the Nationals need new ownership, just like the Commanders need new ownership. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 466 will feature in-depth reaction to and analysis of whatever happens for the 7-5-1 Commanders and their game against the 7-5-1 New York Giants at FedEx Field on Sunday Night Football at 8-20. Sunday night will be an all-nighter. Monday show, of course, will be out early Monday morning. The show may be out a little later than normal, but the show will be out early Monday morning. Uh, Also, on Monday's show, we'll discuss the rest of our Washington, D.C. area sports weekend. Uh, The Capitals have a game on Saturday night. Caps are home to the Toronto Maple Leafs Saturday night at 7. The Wizards have back-to-back games this weekend at the Los Angeles Clippers Saturday afternoon at 4 and at the Los Angeles Lakers Sunday night at 9.30. And we have college hoops this weekend. Big East opener for Georgetown. Hoyas home to Xavier Friday evening at 6.30. A monster game for Virginia. Number 2, Virginia, home to number 5, Houston Saturday afternoon at 2, and number 24, Virginia Tech, home to Grambling, Saturday afternoon at 4. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you on Monday. You beat them in their own backyard, you came from behind, and we sure we got some character. Next week, we get those goddamn giants.